Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. Very good to see this little child that's here and their family as we have a baptism. Let me give you some reminders of announcements and announcements before we begin. Tonight, the Kids Handbells Choir and Mission Kids continues, as is the Bible studies, uh, portrait sign-ups. How many of you signed up for your portraits already? We got some sign hands, okay. There, someone will be helping you with those sign-ups, I'm uh, pretty sure, after this service. They've been doing it uh, before and after the services. But you can also go online and sign up really, really easy. Uh, it just takes a few minutes. I really encourage you to sign up. We, we, want you to have, we want to have every person a picture in our new pictorial directory. And it costs you nothing except to come have your picture taken. We joined this morning to 9 o'clock service, Jenny and Justin Webb. We're happy to welcome them into our fellowship. I want to remind you that September the 30th, which is our combined service, it's a fifth Sunday, is a very special day in the life of the church. We're going to be observing Children's Sunday. The children will be leading us in every aspect of our 10 a.m. worship that day. And then afterwards, we're going to go over to the Family Life Center to have um, some food and fellowship and get to know each other better and to greet the children and to uh, thank them for their participation. So don't forget that's September the 30th. That's coming up here in two weeks. Also, I want to let you know that uh, the project that John and Julia Shannon have been doing, raising money, that's where they're selling the candy. You might see it sometimes as you're going out of the church, both services. We are only $450 short of their goal was to raise enough money to get a new scoreboard in the gym. And as of Wednesday, we were only $450 short. And I'm sure we're not that short now because there were a lot of people when I announced this, it's 9 o'clock, coming out there and buying candy and making donations. But we're very, very close to that. And so I urge you to, if you have a sweet tooth on the way out or you're looking for dessert for your lunch today, buy a candy bar from one of those two children as uh, the money is going towards our scoreboard. We hope to have it up before the basketball season actually begins this year. Let us begin our worship together.
Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Almighty God, make us loyal followers of our living Lord, that we may always hear His Word, follow His teachings, and live in His Spirit, and hasten the day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. To Your eternal glory. Amen. Let us join in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
please be seated and let the family of Samuel Crane, Justin and Katie, and Reverend Jerry Pickens come forward at this time. Now the rest of this family, y'all get up here closer to us. If y'all want to come up and be part of it, some of the rest of your family, come on up. Here, here is this though. And the rest of you, if you look into your bulletins, there's an insert in the bulletin. The church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship and the due administration of God's word and sacraments. The maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. All of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And so we ask the parents who are sponsoring this child to raise this child until someday this child will go through confirmation and profess faith for himself. I ask you these questions. Beloved, do you in presenting this child for holy baptism reject all that is evil, repent of your sin, and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life? To the congregation, I asked you as Christ's body, the church, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another into Christian faith and love, include these persons now before you in your care, and surround them with a community of love and forgiveness? Let us pray. Eternal Father, your mighty acts of salvation have been made known through water. From the moving of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and this one to receive it 
to wash away his sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Samuel, Kent Crane, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> May the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Those who have been baptized into Christ's body, Holy Church, are welcomed into this congregation of the Methodist Church. This child is now a preparatory member. Members of the household of God. I commend this person to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything I may be glorified Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child, as he grows in years, may also grow in grace, and that in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that by the restraining and renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, he may ever be a true child of thine, serving thee faithfully all his days. So guide and uphold the parents and sponsors of this child that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead him into that life of faith whose strength is righteousness and whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bless, preserve, and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. And now we're going to let Uncle, Great Uncle, perlate as the choir sings. Sammy do good. Let's, let's welcome him into our conference. Now, the, if all the other children would come now to our children's time, come down front.
two of our children's time. Thank you for coming down tonight, I mean for today. I'm about um, questioning whether I can even do this this morning. I thought that was the sweetest baptism I think I had ever seen. And I happen to know the grandparents of, of that baby. I assume you are the grandparents. You're not. Great. Oh, my goodness gracious. But the presentation of him to the congregation and the singing of the choir was just absolutely beautiful. I have two things I want to sh show you today. I want you to see. The first, I'm sure, is not something you have never seen before. What would you say this is? It's a Bible, okay? What is the Bible? Do you have another description? What? It is God's Word. First, it's a book, isn't it, Noah? This is a book. Do you have any books at your house? Yes, I like this many. Wow. Okay. Do you have a Bible? We must get you a Bible. You probably have one. You maybe are not big enough to read it. But anyway, this is a book. Actually, this is a book that contains 66 books in this one book. Does anybody know why we would have a Bible? why we would have a book? So we can learn the teachings that God wants us to hear. So what do we have to do to learn those teachings with this book? Just sit it over there on the counter? What? We have to read it. Okay, now everybody knows what this is. Now I'm going to show you something that I am a little concerned that you may not even know what this is. Have you ever seen one of these? What is it? It's an iron. What does it do? Why would you have an iron? To do what? That's right. So your clothes look nice and that you don't have wrinkles in your clothes. Now, I have a story. It is a real-life story that happened in my life. And I'm going to try to connect the iron and the Bible. So I want you to hear this. When I was a little girl, five years old, at Christmas time, my family moved from a very small little town to a nearby town. And we moved into a brand-new house, and everything was just going along fine. It was not as big as probably your houses are these days. We didn't have a living room and a den and a playroom and a room over the garage. We had a room for what we really needed. I had a mother and a father, and they had a bedroom, and I had a bedroom, and I had a brother, and he had a bedroom. We had a living room and a dining room and a kitchen, and that was it. And we had to eat in the kitchen because the table was in there. We didn't have breakfast rooms. We didn't have basements and attics, all those extra things, playrooms. You know, we didn't even have a TV. TV had not been invented then. Oh, I see your faces. 
we didn't have a TV, and our living room was the room where we gathered and we sat together. My brother and I played on the floor. We had a real nice radio and record player. Have you ever seen a record player? Oh, good, okay, I'm maybe not as old as I thought I was. Okay, so we gathered in that room. Now this particular day, my mother had set up the ironing board in the living room and she was doing the ironing. My brother and I were there playing on the floor when the doorbell rang. And my mother took the iron and put it down on the coffee table, which was in front of the sofa, just like that, sat it up, just like that. And she went to the door and it was the preacher. He had come to visit us because we had gone to the, to the church the previous Sunday and he was coming to visit us and invite us to come back to the church. So mother invited him in and as she, she came in and he came in, my mother's eyes popped open she realized that the iron had flipped over and the Bible was on the coffee table and the iron was sitting on top of the Bible. And she jerked up the Bible. And what was on top of the Bible? The imprint of the Bible, the imprint of the, of the iron. And she was so embarrassed and she apologized and she didn't know what the preacher was going to think. I mean, here, the Bible was marred, and that imprint never did come out. I promise you it was always there. And do you know what the preacher did, what he said? He looked at her, and he smiled, and he said, it is kind of nice to go into a house where I know the Bible is being used. <laughs> and Mother said, but I didn't put it on the Bible. I, you know, I sat it up, and it just kind of flipped over. Sometimes it loses its balance. So what I want to say to you is our minister, Pastor Joseph, has been preaching to us now several Sundays from the book. We will excuse you. That's quite all right. But Joseph, uh, Pastor Joseph has been preaching from the book of James. Now, most of you, if you were here last Sunday, you didn't hear what he said in his sermon because you probably went to the library with Miss Beverly. But he did several things. He said he was going to preach four sermons for the book of James. And he challenged us. He said, I would like for each of you sitting out here in the congregation to think about going home and this week, I'd like for you to read the book of James out of the Bible. Now, if you've ever looked in the book, some of the, the Bible, the books are kind of long sometimes. But he was kind of teasing us because he said, um, you'll feel a lot better because you read a whole book in the Bible this week. But he said, you know what? It only has four chapters. It's only four pages long. Now, I'm not going to ask all these big people out here how many of them remembered to go home and read the book of James. But lots of you are big enough to read, and I hope that you will use this book. We read the book, and we use it. The iron was used to get out the wrinkles, but it was not supposed to be sitting on the Bible. I think if we will read the Bible, and this goes for all of God's children, big children and little children,
we will be better people and we will learn about God's ways. Now I'm going to ask you if you'll pray after me. Dear God, we thank you for your word. Help us to use it so that we might become the people you want us to be. Amen. Thank you. Psalm 19, 1 through 11. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
add one name to our prayer list, and that's Amy Leonard, who was hospitalized this past week. I want you to remember Amy Leonard. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Well, God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Well, glorious God, your, your law, your grace is poured upon us. We delight in it. We join with all the company of heaven and earth to offer our praises. We speak your name this day. It is like honey in our mouths. You have provided everything that we need, even the means of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. And it is his name that we pray these prayers. But we must confess, O oh God, that your ways are not always our ways. When you show us your plans and they do not meet with our preconceived notions of how they should be, we often reject them and go off on a different path. But your word is always plain. And we're very good at speaking about it, but not always do we act upon it. We don't always do what we hear. So we pray this day, O oh God, you'd rescue us from our faults, that you would help us once again to be able to stand before you, that you would allow us by the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to be not only hearers but doers of the word, and that you would help us to be part of that way of life that Christ beckons us to, that we may pick up our cross and follow him. Oh Lord, this day we know that there are many who are in need, uh, those who have burdens that need to be lifted, those who stumble under the weight of physical disease or spiritualness, uh, lack of spiritualness, those who may mourn, those who struggle with confusion and emptiness. We pray, O oh God, this day that you would lead them in the way of eternal life. We pray specifically, O oh God, for each name that's on our prayer list and all those that are in our hearts now. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight this day. For we pray with one voice and one spirit as Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let our ushers come forward as we continue our worship with our giving.
please be seated. Are you tired of James yet? Most people are tired of James after about three, three sermons because James tells us things that we don't want to hear that we know we're not doing right. And he causes us to contemplate them and, and so forth and so on. And I asked the nine o'clock group, did you read the James? And we had a few hands go up. Did anyone here in the 11 o'clock read James? Okay, good. We had, I think we had more hands here. That's wonderful. Well, I'm going to pick up at, um, down at verse 9 in chapter 3. With the tongue we praise you, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all your words in the Bible. We know that they are there for us, for our guidance, and for our edification. They're there for us to live as you want us to live. We praise your name this day and ask your Holy Spirit to guide us and help us to understand. Amen. Did you know that everyone here is a carrier of a condition that lies dormant until the worst possible time when it manifests itself and causes us a lot of pain? Every one of us has this problem. It's called foot and mouth disease. I have been, I, it rears its ugly head in my case off and on every few days. Usually when I'm tired, I've noticed that that's when Satan has a foothold into my life. So I'm going to talk to you briefly today because I knew I was going to have the baptism. So I boiled it down to three keys. Three keys to help keep this condition suppressed. Three keys. But first I want to give you an example of foot and mouth disease. You know, someone once said that we should remember that the tongue is a wet place and we can slip very easily and hurt ourselves. Three men went fishing one day. They... While they were fishing, they began to talk to each other and confess their sins. One confessed his sin and asked for forgiveness and prayer. Then the next one confessed his sin and asked for forgiveness and prayer. Well, the third man hesitated for a long, long time, and the other two finally said, Look, you've got to confess your sin and let us pray. We have confessed our sins before you. What is your sin? He said, Fellas, I really don't think you want to know what my sin is. But in, if you insist, I will tell you, I love gossip, and I can't hardly wait to get home and tell everything you two have told me. <laughs> Foot and mouth disease affects us in many, many ways. Sometimes what comes out of our mouth is just downright funny. There's no doubt about it. But other times what comes out of our mouth is not funny at all. And sometimes it is very hurtful. It's very destructive. And it's really important for us to keep our foots out of our mouths. It's important to keep this condition suppressed. And so, like I said, these are my three keys. One, never underestimate. Never underestimate the power of the tongue for good or for evil. Never underestimate. Two, listen carefully to what your tongue is saying. Listen carefully to what your tongue is saying. And three, 
is really the first key to everything we've talked about in James. Ask God for help because God's the only one that can help us. God's the only one that can help us understand how to control our tongues. You know, we must, as I said, we must never underestimate the power of the tongue. It should be carefully watched, consistently controlled. And when we let our tongues run wild, we will be hung by our tongue. But our tongue also has, has great power for good. Great power for good. If I say a phrase to you like, I had a dream, you know exactly where that phrase come from. You, you, it had power. You see, we have the opportunity with our tongues to be encouragers and builders of the kingdom of God in the world today, or we can be destroyers and discouragers. One of the best things to do is have some memory verses. Uh, I've always wondered why we got away from that. We kind of got away from that. We're kind of coming back to it. But memory verses are very important. Proverbs 21:23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from, from calamity. Proverbs 21, 23. There's also a prayer that's awfully good to pray. It's Psalm 141.3. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 141.3. So the first key is do not underestimate the power of the tongue for good or evil. The second key is when you're dealing with your tongue, you've got to listen to what your tongue is saying. You can't do anything about another person, but you can do a lot of things about yourself. You can make changes in your own life, your own lifestyle, your own ways of doing things. That's where the control is. So you have to hear what you're saying. And unless we're listening to what we're saying, we won't understand whether or not we are doing, using our tongues for good or bad. James is a careful observer of human nature. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord, and at the same time we use that tongue to curse each other. It should bother us that we can be praising God right now and in an hour be cursing the driver who cut us off in traffic. How many of you have done that? I'm guilty of it. It's important for us to listen to what's coming out of our mouth because what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart. And this is the same thing Jesus taught us in Matthew 12, 34, when he said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We should carefully listen to ourselves. Back before I followed the call into the ministry, back when I was in the business world, and I was a different person than I am today, because God has been working on me and transforming me every day, and he continues to do that. Uh, my wonderful wife once told me, she says, you do not hear what you're saying. And which is basically the same key here is what I'm saying. So she did, without my knowledge, she taped me. She taped me one time. And then she, we played it back. And what I heard was a very overcritical person. A very arrogant person. A person I wouldn't like. And it was only by hearing... And listening to what was coming out of my mouth, was I able to realize the shortcomings I had in this area and to start working on them and asking God to help me. 
So we should be careful. That's the second key. We must listen to what we are saying ourselves. And then once we hear what we are saying, we should remember that we have a great power there with our tongues to either encourage or to discourage. You know, I love the story of the ministry who was making a, uh, working on a, a wooden trellis to support a climbing vine, and he was pounding away, and this little boy came over to watch what he was doing from the neighbor, and the youngster didn't say a word, but the preacher kept on working, and, and, and finally pleased with the thought that the little boy was observing him working on this trellis, he says, son, I guess you want some pointers on carpentry or on gardening. And the little boy said, uh, no, I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> well, my friends, if we don't like what we hear as we make our way along the hammer hits of life, then we must recognize that the problem is not with the hammer. The problem is with the condition of our heart. And the only way to change our heart is to humble ourselves and turn to God and ask God to help us. And that's the third key. That's the third important key. And another prayer along the way that can help us with this is Psalm 5110 that says, Create in me, O God, a pure heart and make my spirit right again. Create in me a pure heart and make my spirit right again. Psalm 5110. Friends, when our heart, when our heart is right with God and before God, our tongues will cons more consistently speak those things they encourage and build up to faith. And when we do this, when we're encouragers, not discouragers, we'll feel better about ourselves. We'll make a real difference in the lives of others. So remember the three keys. The three keys. Do not underestimate the power of your tongue for good and for evil. Second, listen and be aware of what you are saying, what is coming out of your mouth. Be aware. And third, humble yourself and ask God to help you. God is there to help us through whatever affliction that we have, to give us strength and to give us healing that we need. And when we endeavor to practice a faith that works by doing, being doers of the Word, not hearers of the Word, uh, we will be blessed. So I, I hope if we wrap this up next week, and I hope during these sermons, you've, if nothing else, maybe you've got the catchphrases, right? Remember, slow down, calm down, lay down things to God. Uh, you remember the other one last week was walk around, walk around and be consistent in extending mercy to people. Mercy, triumphs, judgment. And in the day, these three that I just said, do not underestimate the words that come out of your mouth. Listen to what comes out of your mouth and ask God to help you. Next week, we'll wrap it all up with a sermon I've entitled Heavenly Wisdom. Amen.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. Amen.